Hey friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn. I got my partner alongside of me. Hi, my name's Fred Mooney. I'm excited to be here on the Channel 21 conference line. Yeah, we've got a program tonight that we recorded on our conference line, and we're going to invite you to come join us every week on Thursday nights on our conference line, and you can hear messages like this one that you're going to listen to on tonight's program. What time's it start, Gary? Well, let's see. If we're East Coast, it'll be 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Central time, where we're located, it's 5 p.m. Rocky Mountain time is 4 p.m. What about that West Coast out there? You mean California, eh? Yeah. That'd be 3 p.m. Yeah, we've got a couple of great chaplains out there in California, and they tune in at 3 p.m. every Thursday and join us right here on our conference line. Now, what's that phone number? The phone number is 727 731 5062. That is 727-731-5062. Thursday nights at 6 p.m. and no access code needed. So you're invited to join us each week right here on Channel 21 Ministries Conference Line.
Hi, my name's Fred, Fred Mooney, and I'm glad to be in the cab with you today. And I'm so excited. If you hear something you want to hear again, give Gary a call at Lonesome Road Ministry, 618-383-2107. That's 618-383-2107. Call today. And Fred, I know they're going to hear something that they want to hear again today because we got David Wall with some great songs we're going to put on today. And we got a great message by our good friend, Chaplain Pastor Richie Turnbow. And everybody loves Richie's preaching, and you're going to love it too. So contact us here at Lonesome Road Ministry, and we will send you more copies of Richie's preaching. And after you listen to Dave Wall sing a a few of his great songs that he's written. Man, he's a great singer, songwriter. He's from Vandalia, Michigan, and his phone number is 269-535-0097. That's 269-535-0097. Hey, give him a call after you listen to these songs and order his great CD that he has, and he's working on his next CD. So you give him a call, order some Dave Wall music. So here's Dave Wall. Rolling down this road gets kind of lonely. Radio becomes your only friend. You take another sip of truck stop call. As you contemplate all of your life's choices And all of the regrets along the way You start to feel the heartache and the sorrow As you lift your eyes to heaven and you pray I want to come home Can you help me find Take me there today I have run for so long Lord, I'm weary and worn I just want to come home To the place where I It's been a lifetime ago At that old country church that Grandma went to I'd love to hear her play that old piano So many years have gone since she left us And I'm sorry that I put you on a shelf Guess what I'm trying to say is I need you, Lord, I sure could use some help I want to come home 
you help me find the way? I want to come home. Can you take me there today? I've run for too long. Lord, I'm weary and I'm worn. I heard a story the other day about a Sunday school teacher who God laid it on his heart to go and witness to a young boy by the name of Dwight. See, Dwight had quit coming to his Sunday school class, and God laid it on this Sunday school teacher's heart to go down to where this young man worked at and to witness to him. Dwight was a shoe salesman, so this Sunday school teacher went downtown to where this young man worked at and he was just as nervous as can be. And he walked up and down the sidewalk trying to get up the courage to go in and witness to this young man. But what he didn't know was that the Holy Spirit had already went in and was already drawing this young man to him. So when the Sunday school teacher got up his courage and went in to share the greatest story ever told, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this young man by the name of Dwight was gloriously saved by God's grace. And this young man was none other than Dwight Lyman Moody, D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody, well, he went on to go all over the world preaching the gospel. There's colleges named after D.L. Moody. I'm sure some of you have heard of the the Moody Bible Institute. What a great man of God D.L. Moody would become. 
He would eventually go across the sea to preach, and he would preach to thousands. He met a man by the name of F.B. Meyer who was ready to give up his ministry, and D.L. Moody encouraged him to keep on keeping on for Jesus. F.B. Meyer kept on preaching, and he would go on and, and win a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. Now, God used Wilbur Chapman in a dynamic way, and his powerful preaching won a guy by the name of Billy Sunday, a Chicago White Sox baseball player. And Billy Sunday, after he retired from baseball, became a preacher, and he won a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham to Jesus. And Mordecai Ham would eventually be called to preach, and he preached all over the country, and a church in North Carolina invited Mordecai Ham to come and do a tent revival at their church. And this tent revival in the hills of North Carolina, and one of the deacons wasn't able to attend, and he had to leave town. And, and when he got back into town, he asked one of, his, one of his other deacons, he said, well, how did the revival go? And the deacon said, well, the attendance was pretty, pretty low, and not a whole lot happened, but we did have a couple young men come forward and give their heart to the Lord. One of them was, was named Billy. He, he belongs to that Graham family down the road there. Billy Graham give his heart to the Lord at a Mordecai Ham tent revival in the hills of North Carolina. And Billy Graham went on to preach and preach he did all across this country and around the world. And he won thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. I just love watching a Billy Graham crusade and him preaching in these stadiums just packed full. And when he gives the altar call, it looks like the whole stadium just melts right towards the front of the, of the podium where Billy Graham is. And it's what a powerful sight it is to watch that. And Billy Graham has won thousands and thousands and thousands of people all across the world. So you just never know how God is going to use you when he calls you to go and witness to someone. Christian driver, I'm talking to you. God may be trying to get you to witness to somebody, a dispatcher, another driver, a friend, a family member, somebody out there that God is pulling at your heart to get you to witness to them. You just never know what this person is going to do for God. And friends, some of you out there have never accepted the Lord. And you just never know, if you surrender your heart to God, what God's plan for your life is. So, friends, I want to encourage you. Today is the day. You just never know what God is going to do in your life. If you surrender your life to Him, if you go give your heart to Him and what He is calling you to do, or if you're saved, or the person that he is wanting you to go witness to, you never know what, how God is going to use that person to change and impact this world. Look at uh, this story right here. A lot of famous names are through the, throughout this whole thing that I talked about, but it all goes back to that first name, and you, it doesn't even name him. It was a Sunday school teacher who God laid it on his heart to go witness to a young boy by the name of Dwight. We don't even know what his name was. That's how insignificant we are. But if we will surrender and do what God has called us to do, it can impact and change the whole world. Drivers, what is it that God's calling you to do 
today. As I walk through these trials, I know you're holding my hand. When I get on the other side, I'll be a better man. Lord, I ask for wisdom. Know it's there for me. Asking faith, believing your word will set me free. Refine. message for you by Chaplain Richie Turnbow. Here's Richie. Well, all right, sir. And uh, again, thank you guys uh, for this gathering tonight. It's always a pleasure. It's always a privilege where we can gather together like this and and use modern technology. You know, we're, we're so far away from each other sometimes as states and states away, but yet we can come together with one mind, one accord, and speak of the blessed name of Jesus together. Guys, this is a fantastic, fruitful ministry. It has been for years. Matter of fact, you're listening to a man right now that came to know Jesus because of that ministry. So I encourage you to support. I encourage you to tithe. I encourage you to be a part in this ministry any way that you can. It is a fruitful, fruitful ground. And that's what we do. That's why we all come together like this, is because we want to see more fruit, which is what? People coming to know Jesus uh, as their Lord and Savior. Now, I want to ask a question tonight. I'll do that in just a minute. I was reading through the book of Romans, chapter 5, and in just the first 11 verses, verse 1 through 11, in Romans, chapter 5, 
Paul lists eight benefits of salvation. Eight benefits in just 11 verses. He lists peace with God, access to God, and hope in God, and triumph through God, the love of God, the Holy Spirit from God, deliverance by God, and joy with God. Amen. Can you say amen to that? But I want to ask a penetration question tonight. Is that it? Is this all that we're hoping that believers come to experience? These are wonderful things, no doubt. But there is an ultimate goal. And that ultimate goal is that they come into those gates in a place called heaven, the eternal home. And that's what I want to speak to you tonight is on this place called heaven. Now, Jesus, our Lord, as he was speaking to his disciples in John 14, made an astounding statement and a promise. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. But some people ask, how can you be sure that there's a heaven? There are several answers to that question. First of all, because the soul has always yearned and longed for such a place. Whatever culture you come across, and whatever time in history, you will find some form of a belief in an afterlife. And I really do not believe that God would plant and instill in the soul a universal longing like that without making some provision for it. And secondly, because the soul has always felt that there was such a place. It reminds me of the little boy who was flying his kite one day. And on this particular day, he wanted to fly his kite really high, all the way to the clouds. And as people came by, they asked the little boy what he was doing. And he replied, I'm flying my kite really high into the clouds. And as they looked up, they could not see the kite. So they asked the question, how do you know it's up there? And the little boy replied, because I can feel the tug of it. Well, we, we can know the similar way that there is a heaven because we can feel the tug or the pull of it. And we can feel that tug and pull in our souls daily. Hebrews chapter 11 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And thirdly, because God has spoken that there is such a place called heaven. I would rather have God's spoken promise than, than the opinions 
of all the philosophers and the scientists in all the world. So let me share a few things with you tonight about heaven. First of all, let me say heaven is a real place. Jesus said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And just as sure as there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, just as sure as he lived a sinless life and he was punished for our sins by the cross of Calvary, there is a place called heaven that Jesus has gone to prepare for every born-again believer. There is so much to be said about heaven. But first let me say that heaven will be real, a real tangible place. Heaven will not be some ethereal place or, uh, or some uh, delicate and light place where we just float around in the clouds as spirits without bodies. Why would God spend the time and the trouble to create a new heaven and a new earth if there's not going to be anyone there to inhabit it? Why would we give in new bodies if we were not going to live in a material place? Now listen, guys. It is my understanding of the Scriptures that we were originally created to live as earth dwellers in a material world. Adam and Eve were not placed on a cloud, but were placed on the earth. Heaven will be like Eden restored. We have been living east of Eden ever since Adam and Eve sinned. But the day will come when the original paradise that God intended us to be a part of will be restored. The born-again saints will live in the new Jerusalem, which comes out of God from heaven, and rest above the new earth, uh, the new earth. Now, guys, listen, I, I've heard some really good preachers. Matter of fact, one time I heard the greatest advantages that ever lived, in my opinion, make the statement that Jesus' eternal kingdom would be here on this earth. The Bible does not say that. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Second Peter, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are in there shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So the citizens of the new earth come into the new Jerusalem regularly to worship God and to conduct God's business upon the new earth. You see, heaven is a real place with real and meaningful, rewarding work for us to do. Heaven will be the fulfillment of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And secondly, heaven will be right. It will be right. It will be a place of righteousness. It will be a place where everything evil is absent, and everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone, and only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear, and everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone, and everything hopeful will come. Everything violent and hateful will be no more, and everything born of love will prevail. 
Every unfaithfulness will be in the past, and steadfast loyalty will be in the present. Everything detestable will be gone, and everything desirable will abide in us. Every sickness will be history, and complete wholeness will take over. Every struggle and every frustration and every failure will be over, and only success will be possible. Every wrong done to you in this life will be made right. Every injustice will meet with justice. Every sorrow will be reversed, and joy will wash over you like a waterfall. The corrupt and fall apart part of this world will be gone forever, and God will restore the new world to the way it was meant to be in the beginning. Unspoiled by human sin, every false thing will disappear, and every good and true thing will appear. Number three, heaven will be relational. Relational. A sad event took place in 1991 as Eric Clapton lost his five-year-old son, Connor, after he fell from the window of their 49th floor Manhattan apartment. Now Clapton, a great songwriter and musician and singer, he poured out his grief in a song, and he wrote the song, Tears in Heaven. And in that song, he asked two questions. Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? It's the question to which a lot of people would love an answer to. And the truth is, you will meet your loved ones and friends who have, have passed from this life, who have known Christ and have lived for him if you belong to Jesus. Our relationships will not be lost. They will be regained and renewed. We will experience these relationships at a level we have never known before. Deep, rewarding relationships will be the hallmark of heaven. On earth, we let each other down and, and disappoint one another many times without even knowing it. We can hurt each other and fail each other. But in the new heaven, <laughs> we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall blow, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. The Apostle John writes and puts it this way, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when, we, when he shall appear, <laughs> we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, our fallen and imperfect nature will be healed, and we will be able to, uh, able to have intimacy and relationships that we cannot even imagine in the here and now. Our relationship with God will be healed as well. No more will our love for God be compromised by a selfish love for ourselves and an enchantment with the things of this world. Our love for God and our relationship with Him will be totally unspoiled. There will be nothing between us. No separation. Our sinful nature will be absent, and we will no longer struggle with sin and temptation. Our relationship with God will be so intimate that the book of Revelation describes it as a bride approaching her groom. Another thing about heaven is that heaven will be rewarding. Rewarding. Now, the revelator John does his best. He does his very best he can do in describing heaven but he is limited by language and experience. He has never seen anything like this before. 
and he finds it virtually impossible to fully depict what he has witnessed in this vision. What a place this must be. It is so rich and real that the things of greatest value on earth are just commonplace. It is so beautiful that he describes it with the best comparisons he can make. You see, justice, chaplains, does not always happen in this world. This is not heaven, and we shouldn't expect it to be. The accounts are settled, and our rewards are given in another place in another time. The Bible prophesies of five different crowns available to believers. Each one is representative of each person's service to God while here on this earth. These rewards will be awarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 5, and he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now I have taken the time to write these down, to show you the five crowns, the rewards that will be given to us. First is the crown of glory. Peter says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The crown of life. James said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There is the incorruptible crown. There is the crown of righteousness. There is the crown of rejoicing or the soul winner's crown, which I promise you Gary will get. See, justice crowns can be earned. They can also be lost. Jesus warns believers to protect their crowns. In Revelation 3, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown so some of our rewards are not for the here and now, chaplains, but for the by and by. But that's what heaven is all about. It is delayed gratification, but gratification nonetheless. You see, home is on its way, but it is not here yet. And don't make the mistake of thinking that it is. And when it gets here, he will make everything new. <laughs> Jesus said, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according to his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So in other words, he's saying that every sacrifice you have made will be remembered. Every sorrow you have experienced will be dispelled with countless joy. Every rejection will be overcome by an explosion of love. And every work will be rewarded far from ever making the mistakes that we've been making have been brought out. You see, every good thing that you have done will be honored and recognized. It is a place for the victorious. It is a place for the overcomer. Heaven is a place for the faithful and the righteous and the holy and the unwavering, the true and the tried and the tested, the beloved, the saints, the blood-bought and the blood-washed, the ransomed, the redeemed, the church of the living God. Jesus tells us again in John 14, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, John the Revelator saw that place that Jesus prepared. 
And we can read it for ourselves in Revelation chapter 21. He said, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now various scholars at various times have calculated the following. First, they say, if we took all the cities of the world and gathered them together, we would only get a 300-mile cube compared to the New Jerusalem's 1,500-mile cube. Second, they say, allowing 15 feet to the story. In other words, your ceilings in your mansion are 15 feet high. The New Jerusalem would be 5,028 stories high. This would equal the distance from Dallas to Washington, D.C. And each of these 5,028 stories would contain 2,250,000 square miles. And all the stories combined would total 11,313,000,000 square miles. Third, if the holy city was to be divided into blocks like our American cities are, there would be at least 625 million blocks. But since it is high as it is wide and as it is long, there would be at least 7,500,000 streets and 937 billion blocks. In such a city, there would be ample room for billions of mansions housing a population of more than 125 billion souls. Creation scientists estimate that there's only have been maybe 80 to 100 billion humans since the creation of Adam. So there is plenty of room for everybody in God's kingdom. And finally, heaven will be the residence of God Almighty. The greatest reward of heaven will be God himself. Nothing we see or experience will be greater than the fact that we will be with God and see him face to face. Paul wrote, but now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see him face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. How wonderful it would be to be in the presence of God himself, where we would perfectly know him and know that we are perfectly known and loved of him. We would have no greater reward or relationship than being with our wonderful God and seeing him face to face. I love what Peter wrote in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith into salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let who hears come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of water of life, said our Lord Jesus. John writes this to us and pulls back the curtain of heaven and in time and shows us what must come. He writes to us and he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talk with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And the light was like unto a stone most precious, even like unto a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lied four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are all equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chaldoni, the fourth an emerald, the fifth a sardonyx, the sixth a sardius, the seventh a crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprase, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do their do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh of abomination, or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's 
book of life. Now, chaplains, I want you to notice six titles that were given in this. Heaven is called the holy city. It's called the new Jerusalem. It's called the bride. In other words, uh, uh, related to the groom, a place of worship. It's called the lamb's wife, the, the church adorned in white. It's called that great city. In other words, the new capital. The holy Jerusalem. In other words, the holy of holies will be with us for all eternity, not just once a year. So it will be a place of the spiritually reborn and renewed. But I want you to notice, God gives five promises about heaven. The first promise is that he gives is heaven is a physical place. The second is heaven is being prepared by Christ for you. Third, heaven is promised to God's children. And Jesus is the pathway to heaven. And number five, you are personally invited to heaven. You are personally invited. Jesus gave one last invitation. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcome and I am sit down with my father in his throne. I do not know how far this message will reach. I pray it reaches past the lines that we are on tonight, that someone out there who has never heard of the true message and the saving message of Jesus it may penetrate their ears and penetrate their heart and soul. If you honestly can say, I have never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If you can honestly say that, Jesus has given an invitation to everyone. That means you, ma'am. That means you, sir. That means anybody, anybody who will call upon his name, Christ will save you. Now here's the key. There is no sinner's prayer chiseled in stone that we repeat. We say it from our heart. It can be very simple as long as it's meaningful. But I will tell you this. You cannot clean yourself up and come to God. You cannot put on a suit and put a Bible under your arm and walk into a church house and say, I'm going to be good now. It doesn't work like that. Jesus wants you just as you are. Every broken piece in your life, every failure, every lie, every addiction, everything about you that you feel is wrong is what he wants. He wants you just as you are. And then he will mold you and shape you into a vessel that is befitting for him and change you from the inside out. I pray tonight someone would hear this message that someone would call upon the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior so they can see this place called heaven that we just studied about. Thank you, Gary. All right, friends, you heard Pastor Richie's cry for your lost souls out there on that low, lonesome road. And just like Richie's dog was crying out to Jesus, you need to cry out right now and give your hearts to the Lord right now. And it's just like Richie said, there's no certain 
prayer that you pray. You just cry from your heart and ask Christ to come into your life and take over and change you from the inside out and you shall be saved. So cry out to him right now. And then give us a call here at Lonesome Road Ministry at 618-383-2107 and we will pray with you. And I will walk with you When you fall, I'll pick you up When your heart is torn I'll send my spirit to give you love But no one can hear you cry I will wipe away your tears Trade you one broken life For one perfect Savior One perfect Savior When you can't go on I'll be singing over you When you feel betrayed I will come and comfort you When the noises of this world Drowning out the truth, I'll treat one broken life, one perfect Savior, one perfect Savior, yeah. I knew you before your mom could see, you were That's a great song by Dave Wall, One Perfect Savior. And that's what we have, One Perfect Savior. He uh, he was willing to go to the cross for my sins. And what a great message by Pastor Richie Turnbow. I'll tell you, drivers, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him into your heart, today is the day of your salvation. It's just as easy as A, B, C. Amen, believe, and confess Him as your Lord. Amen, amen. And you can do that today, friend. All you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart, and you shall be saved, the Bible says. It is the commitment of the heart is what's really important here. If you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you shall be saved. Here's another song by Dave Wall. 
I know you're going to enjoy. What a great singer he is. There's a fire in my soul I can't put out When I think about Jesus I just want to sing and shout He took my soul from a fiery grave He cleansed me with his blood I just can't help but praise his name My Jesus He's so As I lift my voice to heaven And my lips speak your name There's a joy that's overflowing I will never be the same Cause there's a fire in my soul When I think about Jesus, I just want to sing and shout. He took my soul from a fiery grave, he cleansed me with his blood. I just can't help but praise his name, my Jesus. He's so My solid rock foundation You're the reason that I see Your spirit lifts me higher As I praise the King
Well, Fred, I like to close all of our programs with my testimony in song. At the foot of the tree. God gave me the lyrics to this, and I just started writing my testimony out. I had a songwriting partner that helped me with this, Tom Caldwell. He's a truck driver from Jasper, Alabama. And uh, I got my neighbor, James Caban, to help put this to music. He had a studio in his home, and we recorded that. And we used that uh, for years. We used his recording, and then Dennis McKay recorded it out of his studio, put it on Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And we've been using this version uh, for the last million or so. (laughs) What a great job Dennis did with this song. Yeah, At the Foot of the Tree, My Testimony in Song. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past But I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus 
broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 